Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to construction, design, and architecture. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. Okay, hello. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. This is a little special edition. I have a few minutes here in my van. I'm driving to the coast, hoping to do some kite surfing. And I've had some conversations recently about air conditioning systems, dehumidifiers, that have left me realizing that a lot of people don't really seem to understand the very basics. Now, I don't mean like exactly how it works. I just mean the basics, like uh, like if it was your car engine. I think we all basically know you put in gasoline, something causes it to burn, that burning requires air to be brought in, and that the explosion of it catching fire causes forces that move the engine that move the car, right? So just at that level, maybe slightly deeper, I think. It's good to understand air conditioners and refrigerators and heat pumps. Uh, All the same process. It's called the vapor compression process. And um, yeah, I guess so, just to be very clear, my motivation here is to help people understand the basics of this process so that they can think clearly about it. And uh, yeah, so I've heard uh, various experts around the industry, whether they're manufacturers, technical reps, or contractors, or consultants, say things that don't align with the very basics, which is a big clue that either it's not true what they're saying, or uh, they're just not saying it right because they don't understand. So, So here it goes. So wherever you are, I think you should start this exercise with a cold, refreshing beverage of your choice, and it does need to be cold. So you get that, you put it down on some surface where it's okay if you don't use a coaster. And what are you going to have? You're going to have some water on the surface. So I really recommend that you put a little bit of water on a surface if you can, and you stare at it while while we go through these next few seconds. So what's going to happen? You've got a ring on your kitchen counter from your beer can, let's say. And time's going to go by, and what's going to happen to that ring of uh, liquid water? it's going to disappear. It's going to go into the air. Uh, so what else will we know? Just I'm trying to make this very basic, things that we can all know that are going to happen. So it's going to get gradually warmer because it started out as cold. It's going to get gradually warmer and then it's going to basically vanish. And uh, when it vanishes, it's going to go from liquid to vapor, which means it got even warmer. It absorbed even more heat from the surroundings. So yeah, that's it. It's going to heat up and disappear. So let's talk about that. It, what is what is it? It is water. It is liquid water. It is water molecules. You know H2O. So two hydrogens attached to an oxygen, and the hydrogens are connected. They're hydrogen bonded. It's kind of like uh, locking elbows and square dancing or something for people. They're connected, but they can move around very fluidly around each other. It's not ice. Ice is like a bunch of people packed into a subway car or maybe in a very tight military uh, or or just whatever, a parade formation, very tightly bound together. That would be ice. When it goes to gas, it's like everybody breaks hands and just runs, like maybe running ahead of the bulls in Spain or something. So the 
point is that you have water molecules that are linked and they are getting hotter. So that there's a little bit of technical stuff here. When we talk about hotter, we talk about temperature. When we talk about temperature, we need to understand what, the, what, what we mean. So first of all, temperature is actually an average and it's an average based on whatever the sample space is. So let's just say you're in a room and now you have two things that are at a certain temperature. You have the water on the countertop and you have the air that's all around it. And they're both fluids. They're both fluids in the sense that they're made up of little molecules of things and uh, they're kind of twirling around each other. One fluid's in vapor form, one fluid's in liquid form, but there's still fluids, molecules packed in. So they're vibrating. That means they have a certain energy. They vibrate back and forth. But like I said, it's an average. So like the air in the room, there's some air that's hotter and some air that's colder. Um, and to degree, to the, yeah, the degree it's hotter and colder, what it's doing is it's going back and forth very quickly, like zing, 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 zing. It's actually back and forth, twisting, um, spinning, you know, all the different degrees of freedom that a, let's say a V-shaped molecule like water could wiggle. And then refrigerant molecules can vibrate even more different directions because they have more atoms connected together. But the point is that you have an average temperature and you have some molecules that are hotter, some molecules that are colder. So your average is the average, whether it's the water or the air. So what happens is the air molecules are whizzing back and forth, bumping into things all the time, bumping into each other, bumping into water vapor molecules in the air, and bumping into the water, the liquid water molecules on the countertop. So they gradually bump into it enough so that, you know, it's not inaccurate to think of it as ballistic impingement, right? The air molecule slams into the water molecule, causing the water molecule to gain energy, and boop, it goes from liquid to vapor, one molecule at a time, or several molecules at a time. And by the way, it's also going from vapor to liquid all the time. But if there's more reactions causing it to go to vapor than there are reactions causing it to go to liquid, well, we're not even going to mention that. We're going to say, on average, it's going to vapor, whatever the difference is. So there's always these averages and these um, overall uh, dominant processes in an equilibrium, right? So now you have the water, and it's, it's colder than the air, so it's going to go to equilibrium, so it's going to warm up. And as it warms up, Molecule by molecule, it's absorbed energy from the air and turned into vapor, right? That's how it magically disappeared. So, but that's really just the, the beginning of the story. So what we know from that is that the air gave energy to the water and the water changed phase from liquid to vapor. That's the fancy way to say it. And the important part of that statement was the air gave up energy to the water. So that means the air in the room got colder. If it gave up energy, it vibrated less, and we would define it as being at a lower temperature because vibration defines temperature. So nothing fancy so far. We have vibrating things, and some are giving energy to others. Right? You can imagine um, crowded room. Somebody walks in and is slamming back and forth a whole lot, well, pretty soon they're going to be jostling into other people, and those people are going to jostle into other people, so everybody's vibrating a little bit. Um, I don't know if that's a good metaphor, but, you know, you have things sharing energy. 
But the important thing is that as the air shared energy with the water, the, wa the air cooled off. It gave up energy to the water and it got colder. There is a very important step. Something got colder. What if we could make it so that the room, instead of being a rectangular room made out of, you know, two by fours and sheetrock, let's say it was a cylindrical room made of metal walls. Well, now I could have the outside air conduct through the walls, and, you know, so you want to make the walls of this room a very good thermal conductor, so something like aluminum or copper or steel. Of those, aluminum would probably be the best, copper would be okay. Silver would be amazing, but more expensive. Uh, so you conduct energy into the, the liquid that's in the, this metal room, and the liquid turns the vapor, and it leaves the air or the, the inner, the inside of that uh, metal room colder. It, it, not necessarily air; it could be some other vapor. So then now that you, now you have a cold volume of vapor inside this metal room, and that's going to conduct through the outside. Now the outside of this metal room is going to be cold. So that is happening in the room where your little um, puddle just evaporated. And we'll talk about that in a minute, what, what that means. But what if I could make this cylindrical metal room connected directly to another cylindrical metal room, and that's connected directly to another cylindrical metal room, and we basically blow out all the ends. And now we have a big, let's say, copper pipe, copper tube. And we connect it maybe in a circle in a few minutes here. But right now we have a copper tube that has uh, liquid in it, and it's absorbing that ener thermal energy from its outside, from surrounding space, and that liquid is changing phase, absorbing energy, and creating a cold surface. So that's the basics of an air conditioner right there, that you have to have a molecule that will make that transition at room temperatures, and that means from liquid to vapor, and that, that's uh, what refrigerant does. Well, water will do it too. I mean, you can use water as a refrigerant, propane, CO2, lots of different gases and liquids. So where am I going with this? So now we have, well, let's go back to the room. As the room, like, so why isn't your, why can't you just spill water on the floor of your house to cool it off? Well, the problem is that it would cool it off, but that as the water that you spilled on the floor went into the air, it added humidity. And now you're looking at the two different ways that air can store energy. One is the nitrogen molecules in the air, mostly nitrogen, there's oxygen in there too. But let's say just say air is nitrogen. So the nitrogen molecules can shake more or there can be more water molecules in the air. And we just talked earlier that we said that the water molecules are in the air, they're a water vapor in the air because they absorb energy from the, uh, from the air. So what that means is a water molecule that's vapor that's in the air is in fact stored energy. So the energy that's in the air is basically just shifted from the vibration of the nitrogen to the vibration of the water. So the net energy is the total vibration of 
the two things that are there, basically, air and water vapor. And the fancy way to say that is enthalpy, but, the, but you know, we know that as, oh, it's not the heat, it's the humidity, and we know the actual answer is it's, it's actually both the heat and the humidity. And that's because both the heat and the humidity equal the amount of energy in the air. And so that means, can I shed energy in the air by evaporating water off my skin or convecting heat away from my skin? Well, that depends how much energy is in the air. If there's not very much, then yes, I can cool myself very easily in it. And if there's a lot of energy in the air around me, then no, I can't dump energy into it. On average, I'm having trouble doing that. All right, so that's the answer for um, why we can't just spill water on the floor. You know, and caveat there is if we're in a very dry climate, like some areas of New Mexico, well, you can just evaporatively cool the space, and that's, you know, evaporative coolers, that's swamp coolers. And it might be not crazy long before we have desiccants to absorb the excess water vapor, and we use a evaporative cooling process as the basis of an air conditioning system, even in a humid climate, right? So desiccant-based evaporative cooling is not impossible. It's being done. It's just not ready for prime time as far as I know yet. All right, so back to that copper tube. So the trick is we need to make, we don't just need to have some refrigerant laying on the side of, laying inside a copper tube getting colder. We need a system. We need a machine that can keep cooling. So what we want to do is we want to keep introducing vapor into this tube and somehow move it through the tube. So that's what we do. What we do is we take a very long copper tube and we make it so that a part of it's inside our house and part of it's outside our house or inside our building and outside our building or inside the refrigerator and outside the refrigerator, right? So it doesn't matter where, but let's say inside and outside a house. So imagine you just have a big hula hoop. You have part of it inside your house, part of it outside your house. But then you're going to do two things to it. One is you're going to find two spots on the tube, one inside and one outside, and you're going to fold the tube back and forth on itself you know, kind of like a, a zigzag. You think, think about making a radiator that's in your car, right? It's just a bunch of folded tubes going back and forth. And then, not only that, but we're going to attach fins, little thin pieces of metal. We're basically just trying to increase the surface area. And we do that one on the outside, one on the inside. So now imagine you basically interrupted your tube and you've put a radiator, like a car radiator, or an old radiator in a house or something, this folded tube. One on the inside, one on the outside. I hope you're still with me, but uh, I get this could be kind of boring and interesting. <laughs> All right, so you have this folded tube inside and outside. Now you need to do one other thing. You need to figure out some way to move this uh, liquid vapor mix around inside there. So we put refrigerant in there or water or CO2 or something. And uh, let's just say it's R410A, which is just a bunch of molecules that can store energy. So we put that in there, and we put a compressor on there. So a compressor is basically like a bike pump. It makes air at high pressure. Um, because it's attached to a one volume, I keep saying air, but it doesn't have to be air. It could be whatever. Uh, because it's attached to one volume, if it makes high pressure somewhere, it's making low pressure another place. And what it does is the high pressure wants to move toward the low pressure, and this causes the refrigerant to circulate around. And on the, the, the next trick is that as you pressurize the refrigerant, I guess this isn't all that simple now, 
as you squish on those molecules more and more, they heat up. And that's the cool thing. Like, let's try to just talk about that. So that's the heart of vapor compression. So what do you have when you have vapor? You have molecules vibrating. Um, so imagine, look around the room you're in and imagine you had a bunch of, uh, I don't know, let's just do people again. People standing up in the room. Or maybe we'll do like, um, oh, like Mexican jumping beans or something. You put them on the kitchen counter in front of you and they're all vibrating a little bit back and forth. And then you compress them. That means you take your whole countertop and you push, you push together all the Mexican jumping beans into a small area that's like uh, six inches by six inches, right? So now the jumping, the Mexican jumping beans, this is a weird metaphor, they're not just vibrating back and forth on their own, you know, separated around on the countertop. They're bumping into each other and they're shedding energy to each other. So now they're like, they've gone from all over the counter to really packed together in one spot. We have compressed them. So their vibration interacts. So their average temperature is what? It's higher. So it's hotter. So you do that when you want to cool your house. You compress the refrigerant molecules that just left the inside of your house outside of your house. You compress them. They get very, very hot. And now hot moves to cold. It helps if you blow a fan across it to make it move to cold, but even if it's 110 degrees outside, as long as these molecules, their average temperature is 140 or something, 150, well, they're a lot hotter. They're going to shed heat. They're going to radiate heat, convect heat, conduct heat. They're going to shed heat. So they cool off. You keep doing that until they cool off, and then here's the, here's the cool part. <laughs> that was a pun. They cool off so much that they make the phase transition. They don't have enough energy to stay vapor anymore, to stay out on their own. And they link arms and calm down and cool off and become liquid. And now that liquid gets moved, pushed along these, this copper tube to the inside of your house, where it encounters the folded section with heat exchange again. There's, and then once again, you can have a fan blowing across it. You don't have to. In radiant systems, you don't. In, air systems you do, but let's say you do. You have a fan blowing across the inside radiator, and what happens? The heat in the air gets absorbed by the uh, refrigerant molecule. The refrigerant molecule, in so absorbing that, cools off. The outside of that copper tube gets cold. I'm not speaking exactly accurately here, so any physicist listening, just forgive me. But you know, basically what's happening is you create cold inside by absorbing energy. And now you have these uh, vapor molecules that have absorbed energy. They've heated up, you know, leaving the residual cooling on the outside of the metal tube. And you sent that into your air to, to do your air conditioner or your refrigerator. Um, and I hope this is still connecting. And now you have your cycle repeating again. So now you're sending this hot vapor to the outside where it gets compressed and it gets even hotter and it sheds its heat turns into liquid and it goes back inside and it absorbs more and so you know it's going from the inside to the outside the inside to the outside and you can basically accurately think of it like a shovel right if I'm shoveling sand out of a pickup truck out onto the ground I'm each time I take a shovel full of sand from the inside of the pickup and I dump it outside I can liken that to a 
pound, let's say, of refrigerant absorbing energy from inside my house and going outside and dumping it out there. I've just moved the heat from one place to another. And one last kind of interesting thing that makes this seem magic is the inside of my house, let's say, was at 75 degrees and outside my house was at 100 degrees. Well, what I did when I pumped the heat, when I used that, the air conditioner in cooling mode, I pumped the heat from the inside to the outside is, I pumped the heat from the cold spot, which was 75 degrees inside my house, to the hot spot, which is 100 degrees outside my house. That doesn't happen naturally. Right? That's air moving, excuse me, that's heat moving from cold to hot. And we all know heat moves from hot to cold. So when you want to cause heat to move from cold to hot, you need a machine. That's what this thing was, where I used the phase transition as the heart of it. And I did vapor compression to cause control of the phase transition. But it really is just a shovel moving energy from inside to out. And to make that system run, I needed a compressor and I needed, well, in my example, I used two fans. So that doesn't happen for free, right? You plug those machines in and you get electrical energy that you pay for in order to get cooling energy. And the last point, I guess I'll finally settle down and get done with this metaphor, this, this little explanation. The last point is when I buy one unit of electrical energy, right? Electrical energy is measured in watts. So let's say I buy one watt of energy, which is the same as BTUs per hour, um, but now we're getting geeky again. So I'm buying one unit of energy, electrical energy, and I'm using it to buy units of cooling energy or heating energy. And the really exciting thing is that with heat pumps, you can have more than one unit of cooling energy for every one unit of heat energy that you buy, even measured in the same units. So that's that co if you took the ratio, right? If I got three units of energy, cooling energy for every one unit of electrical energy I bought, that's pretty awesome, right? As soon as you get past uh, around 3.1, 3.2, now you're overcoming the energy that was lost where that one unit of electrical energy was generated. Yeah, I'm sprawling this out now. So the point is that you get more, more energy out than you put in, which seems like magic and it kind of is, but there you have it. That's the basics of vapor compression, the vapors of the basics of an air conditioner. So uh, don't let anyone fool you that it's mind-blowingly complicated. You know, it's just the basic laws of how the world works, uh, exploited or cleverly manipulated for end use that we want. Yeah, it's always good when you can realize it's just the basic laws of physics are on your side, and you shouldn't. Try to pretend you can uh, trick them. I'm thinking right now for some reason of a completely different topic, which is uh, poor roof design. You can't trick the law of gravity. We'll save that for another day. Okay, thank you guys. Hope it was fun. I need